This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. My gosh, you boys already know. I'm not letting that Ramsey boy come over and play until you clean up your rooms. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey there, money fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Hey, are you worried that maybe a certain someone is really attracted to you because they want to steal your money? So are a bunch of people down at the Sizzler. It's very weird. Hey, here to help us work through sweetheart data stealing scams and more... We welcome Consumer Education Manager for Experian, Sandra Bernardo. In our headlines, we'll talk about a recent viral phishing video and a Stanford study that reviewed over 200 retirement strategies and found the best one. We'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to Kirk, who wonders how to best pay down some debts, and we'll answer a letter from the mailbag and still leave time for my trivia. Yeah, don't worry about that. We are not missing the trivia. Now, two guys who stole anything sweetheart-related out of this podcast, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. I don't know what he's referring to. I am a sweetheart. That I know. Can't you tell? (laughs) Absolutely. That's what mom always says. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Stacky Benjamin Show, because it's Monday, and we've got sweetheart-related stealth stories. Isn't that creepy when you hear people, hey, man, I completely love you. Why don't I get close to you and steal all your money? Take your money. Go on, take the money and run. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, that, that was bad. That is why we podcast instead of sing. You know what else we do? We talk a lot here on the show, OG, about M1 Finance. You know why? Because they're freaking awesome. Because... The term financial services is interesting. For a lot of people, they probably feel it's an industry servicing itself. M1 Finance wants to change all that. That's why we talk about them. And we help you take control of your money like never before. With M1 Finance, you create a customized portfolio so you can invest like you should, investing in the companies and industries you truly believe in. Don't throw your money into some investing service that you can't control or into a self-directed brokerage so complex you don't know how to get started. M1 makes it incredibly simple. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash M1 Finance or download their slick mobile app on iOS or Android. M1 Finance, be invested. And Stacky Benjamins is also brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron's treating SB listeners to 30 bucks off your first order if you visit blueapron.com slash SB. So check out this week's menu and get your $30 off with free shipping at blueapron.com slash SB. We've got a fantastic show today. Sandra Bernardo from Experian waiting in the wings. But first we got headlines, so let's move. Hello, darlings. 
And now, it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamin's Headlines. Have you seen this uh, viral video of the people on the boat? Woman's baiting her hook, one guy fishing off the back of the boat, another guy fishing off the front of the boat, he's holding a camera. And, this all sounds uh, like a big euphemism, but go ahead. Yeah, and and in the distance, you see this uh, this much bigger yacht coming right at them. And uh, let's listen to the audio on this on this one. <laughs> that didn't end well. Sounds like he's underwater. It's amazing. The boat keeps coming directly toward them, doesn't veer, doesn't move, just runs smack into these poor people in the fishing boat. You see the woman at the last minute when you hear the, oh my God, you see her just dive into the water. The two guys dive in at the last second and the, uh, and the boat gets taken out. Just incredible. And it's a reminder to me A lot of the time when I was a financial planner, people would talk about the fact, well, I don't really need disability insurance because I'm a pretty safe skier or I don't, or, you know, I'm going to uh, increase my deductibles, even though I don't have a cash reserve on my insurances. Like it's not always about you. These people did everything exactly right. It was some other reckless dude who it turns out was talking on his cell phone or playing with his cell phone, not paying attention to where he was going, crashed right into this boat. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's too bad. I uh, reminds me of the commercial that I saw recently. Might have been during a football game or something like that. It was an anti-texting commercial, right? Don't text and drive. The guy's driving and his kid's in the back seat, and his phone's buzzing. Right? His kid says, "Dad, aren't you going to get that?" And he's like, "No, no, no, I would never do that with you guys in the car." And then he looks back, and there's no kid in the car, right? So it's like kind of the imagined it type of thing. Yeah. So then there's no kid in the car. So then he gets his phone. And he smashes into the car in front of him that has a kid in the car. Oh, and it's all like, you know, it's not necessarily always going to be your kid, right? It could be another kid type of thing. So my mom always says, it's not you I'm worried about. It's the other guy. It is the other guy. Mom, I'm safe. She goes, I know it's not you I'm worried about. I'm worried about the other guy. I remember my aunt and uncle got in a huge car accident that just changed the whole trajectory of their life, like changed everything out of the blue person came at them from the side didn't see it coming until bam it was already done you can't see that stuff coming i think we think we could control more than we can control i guess is our point when it comes to risk management we think we can control more than we we can and uh that's a sad reminder we'll link to that video because it is it's a boat wreck in slow motion i mean it is literally it is literally a boat wreck what happens at the end i mean rescued does the guy stop do you have any idea or just it kind of cuts out at that point it cuts out and then they play it again in slow motion. Yeah. Oh, I think the I think the GoPro was done at that point or whatever they were filming with. It was. I, I mean, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't good. There actually is a uh, is a video behind it of them interviewing the fishermen talking about what they're thinking as they're jumping off their boat. Our next piece is from MSN Money. Uh, Stanford analyzed 292 retirement strategies, said one is the best. I always like these headlines when a major university looks at 292 different retirements and sees that one is best for all of us. Yes. I thought you might grab this article. I saw this one on my uh, news feed, so I thought thought this one was coming downrange. Kathleen Elkins wrote this. She says, when you're ready to retire, how can you be sure you have enough money to last? And what's the best way to withdraw your savings over the years? Steve Vernon, a consulting research scholar at the Stanford Center on Longevity, set out to answer these questions by collaborating with the Society of Actuaries on a research project, how to pensionize 
any IRA or 401k plan. What we wanted to do was identify a strategy that middle-income workers could use that's fairly straightforward and that they could do on their own, Vernon tells CNBC Make It. After analyzing 292 retirement income strategies, the research team identified the best way for most people to withdraw their money. This is a strategy, says Vernon, that people can use to decide if they got enough money to retire. The winning strategy produces, quote, more average total retirement income expected through retirement compared to most solutions we analyze. This all already sounds juicy, doesn't it? It sounds like it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Step one, delay Social Security payments until you're 70 years old. Okay. That is... A lot of reasons to do that, right? So between your full retirement age, which is uh, anywhere from 65 to 67, depending on how old you are, for every year past your full retirement age, according to the Social Security Administration, you're going to get an 8% pay raise. Plus, if there's any cost of living that year, you'll get a cost of living adjustment. So you might be looking upwards of 10% a year guaranteed increase for the years between full retirement and age 70. Number two, create an automatic retirement paycheck. To supplement Social Security income, the strategy recommends investing any remaining savings in low-cost mutual funds that are common in IRAs and 401k plans like Target, Date, Balanced, or Stock Index funds. Just had a shiver. Well, it is funny because then I see the quality of the research. I mean, we've talked about Target Date funds here. Target Date funds can be great, but look at the fees before you do that. I mean, you've got fees on top of fees and a ton of Target Date funds. And you and I, we like Target Date funds as much as the next guy, but... (laughs) But 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 man, some well, of these the funds that are... I have, the, yeah, the problem that I have with them, while the fees can be high, and certainly there's some companies that that don't charge a ton, it's the proverbial glide slope, right? It's it's the fact that they make you darn near fully bond by the time you're sixty or seventy, and if you're an average person, you're going to live another thirty years. So, since you have thirty year money in there too, and it, I mean, I get that you need age 71 your money when you're 70 but you need age 92 your money when you're 70 also and you know that's that's several decades away i just don't like the be super conservative at age 70 thing this piece says when it comes to withdrawing your savings you want to generate consistent paychecks in quotes from your 401k and ira savings that will last the rest of your life use the irs requirement distribution to calculate how much of your retirement savings you would receive each year The great thing about this strategy is many IRA and 401k administrators can calculate your RMD and pay it automatically in the frequency you want. So you'll essentially be creating an automatic retirement paycheck. I don't, I just, I read this, I read the title. I don't understand what's special about this piece. Like, like I. Clickbait. I even said that to Mrs. OG. Here's the problem with the, I'll just set it on the RMD schedule. All right. So I'm 70 and let's say I've got uh, 500,000 in my IRA. And I call up my IRA custodian and I say, you know what? Every year, calculate my required distribution. Send me a check every month for that calculation, right? They'll do that for you, just like you said. So we'll set up this paycheck. Here's the problem with it. The RMD percentage goes up every year. Meanwhile, your account balance later on, because you're taking so much money out, might trend down. And then, God forbid, there's a market correction somewhere in there. And so, yeah, you get a recurring paycheck. It just is a completely uh, random number. You don't know what to plan on every year. It's like, here's what I heard out of the article. You can retire financially independent if you do two things. Only spend your Social Security and only spend whatever your RMDs are. Right. Every year. That's what I... Then you'll never I, run out of money. It's like, okay, 
so if my social security checks two grand a month and my RMDs are a thousand a month, as long as I don't spend more than three thousand this month, I'm good. That's right. Yes. Well, if next year social security is twenty two hundred and my RMDs are eighteen hundred, I can spend four thousand. Bingo, you got it. Guess what the strategy is? That'll make your money last longer, and uh, you'll <laughs> you'll you'll never what run out. What if my expenses are six thousand a month? I, I yeah. Yeah, I've, it made me wonder what the other two hundred ninety one strategies I are. I want to see. I want to see number two ninety one. If this was number two ninety two, I want to see two ninety one. Just to I'll link see to this story in the show notes at stackybenjamins.com. I think the lesson is is that number one, doing your actual retirement strategy. I think that begins with what you said, OG. How much do you want to spend, and start from there and see how you Saved make it you happen. That's, yes, that's what that's what we're talking about here. Instead, you just clicked on the show. That's all you had to do. And then yeah. number two. Going boating anytime soon? <laughs> Make sure your boating insurance is up to up to speed. Holy cow. Sandra Bernardo getting ready to come down to the basement. She is the consumer education expert at Experian. Experian, of course, one of the three big credit bureaus out there. And she has been thinking a lot about Valentine's Day coming up. You thinking about Valentine's Day, OG? Sure. Well, you know what? With Valentine's Day coming up, it's the great, great time for scammers it's to say- It's only been six weeks since I spent a whole bunch of money on people I care about. I might as well do it again. <laughs> to say, I love you, and I want to steal everything out of your bank account. So to help us avoid that, uh, Sandra Bernardo coming down to the basement. And joining me on my dad's shortwave from Experian, it's my new friend, Sandra Bernardo. How are you? Great. Thank you for having me, Joe. I appreciate it. Well, this is a scary thing that we're talking about, especially with Valentine's Day coming up. There's a lot of people that are in on this Valentine's Day game, Sandra, it seems like, that aren't uh, aren't really being as nice as people think they are. Right, right. Uh, definitely online daters, especially now through Valentine's Day, should uh, be on their guard. In fact, according to Match.com, the peak season for online dating is December 26th through Valentine's Day. And uh, obviously then would be the increase in scams as well. Let's go through kind of the art of a scam. How does this thing generally end up playing out, Sandra? Well, generally what we see is that a criminal will set up a profile and the profile is obviously fantastic. It's almost too good to be true, right? So it's a very attractive person. Uh, they have all of these great attributes. And so they start to befriend their victims online and try to build up an online relationship and that trust so that later they can try to scam them. Who's getting scammed more often, women or men? According to the FBI, it's women. In fact, 82% of romance scam victims are women, and women over 50 are defrauded out of the most money. Wow. And I, I bet that's, I mean, the reason I think scammers probably start there is because, not because people are gullible, I guess, but because that's where the money is. Probably. And uh, certainly, perhaps it's just that women have a little more trusting nature. They're more social and, and want to connect with others and, and you know, talk and, and build up a relationship. And maybe they divulge, you know, more information up front more easily. Are there any things about a scammer's profile that, 
you know, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, wow, I've got this person I'm dating online, seems really cool. Any checks people should watch out for to say this might not be all it's cracked up to be? Sure. So one is definitely trust your gut. So if the profile just seems too good to be true, it probably is. So, you know, you want to follow your instincts about that. And then number two, which is a tip we have for people to be able to identify if the person is legitimate, is just do some research. So if you are Googling them online and nothing shows up, they don't have any other kind of online presence, such as on a LinkedIn or a Facebook, then that's a, a definitely a red flag that uh, they are probably not legitimate. How do they get into somebody's accounts usually, though? Is it they start turning the the discussion over to financial matters or how much money they have? I mean, I can't imagine how somebody goes from, you know, I think I love you <laughs> to, to how much is in your bank account. Right. And many people don't think that this can happen to them, but it, it definitely can and will. Uh, in fact, the FBI said that last year uh, there were 15,000 romance scam complaints, which is a 20% increase over the previous year. So it's very prevalent. And what they do is they'll start to discuss financial matters. Generally, what we see is that they start to share some kind of scenario where they need money. So they're sick or they have a sick relative or they'll say that they live out of state or out of the country and they need the funds to actually come and meet you in person. And if you can fund, you know, their travel. And the travel, I'm guessing, is uh, fairly, always fairly expensive. Exactly. And it's not buy me a ticket. It's can you just send me you know, a wire transfer for the money and all, you know, buy my travel. Uh, it's definitely a red flag if money starts to dilute the love conversation. Are there times when it's, I mean, I'm wondering if it's better in that case to confront the person directly and say, why don't I just buy you a ticket? And if they answer no, uh, give me the cash. Or does the FBI and maybe Experian, do you guys not recommend that approach? Sure. I think being a little more straightforward about it would probably be helpful. Also, we recommend that you share the information with someone else. So if a family member or a friend introduce this person to them uh, or show them the profile, because since they're in a more neutral position, they may have a better sense of if this person you know, doesn't seem right. Uh, so you can get that second opinion. And quite frankly, if it is a scam, you know, they are asking you for money. It would be prudent to report that to your local law enforcement. Yeah. And if you're not sure if you're being scammed, I mean, when does that that start coming out? Do we see it on our Experian credit report? Where do we see it? Well, for the most part, what happens is the person will ask for the direct money. So whether it's sending them a wire transfer or sending them uh, just cash or, or check or what have you, that is, for the most part, the general scam. What we would see, for example, is if you were to share personal identifiable information where they could then go off and open an account, like a credit card account, then that would show up on your credit report. So if you're looking at your credit report and you see an account that you did not open, then that's a warning sign that, you know, there's been identity theft and fraud 
Yeah, anything we should do profile-wise, any best tips, Sandra, while we have you on the line for, you know, a lot of people not just doing online shopping, but online dating, a lot of online presence, any best practices you can share? Some of the best practices would be, uh, so for example, in, in this conversation about love, I'll call it be a tease. Okay. Uh, keep the details close to your heart. So meaning your profiles shouldn't divulge too much information, uh, especially personal identifiable information. So uh, your home address, specifics about your work. Obviously, you don't want to put out any phone number on your profile. And then when you're getting to know the person and you're either emailing or talking on the phone, still divulge, you know, a little bit at a time. Don't give background uh, information about your family. You know, don't divulge things like your mother's maiden name, all of these things that people tend to use for their accounts as authentication questions. Don't give information about your children because children can be victims of identity theft. So if they were to get the child's name, date of birth, you know, home address, and then somehow maybe uh, on the dark web be able to get a social security number, they can piece that together to create an identity. I didn't even think about kids at all in identity theft. How often does that happen? It happens very much so. Uh, Most people don't think about that. You're right. But it's an increasing form of identity theft, and it's quite attractive for criminals because oftentimes it goes unnoticed for a very long time. You don't expect your child to have a you know credit report so therefore you're not looking for a credit report and when they are 18 and start to apply for credit say a student loan that's when most parents find out that their child has been a victim oh that's horrible and in some case it might like you said might go unnoticed for years exactly and that's why it's very attractive and we see that form of identity theft increasing And I guess then, you know, we tell people all the time to check their credit regularly. I guess then you'd encourage us to check our kids' credit regularly. Well, you should definitely check if a credit report even exists in the first place. Right. Because if it does, then that's a red flag. Right. If it doesn't exist, then, you know, so far so good. And just make sure to keep information private. Don't be posting too much on social media and just keep checking for that. Another sign of identity theft of a child would be if your child starts to get mail in their name, credit card offers or any other kind of advertisement or collateral that actually comes in their name is also a warning sign. Well, that's fantastic. And I hate uh, hearing about people getting scammed, but you guys have educational resources and a blog at Experian. Where can we find out more? Yes. Consumers can find out more information about credit-related topics, identity theft, online scams, uh, anything related to tax scams, which is the big one going on right now, at our blog, which is experian.com slash education. Awesome. Thanks. And we'll have those links on our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Sandra, thanks for hanging out with us a little bit today. Thank you so much for having me. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. All of these romance scams have me thinking, how many people have tried to romance scam me? Joe's mom always tells me to leave people alone down at the Sizzler. Now I know exactly why. She's afraid I'm going to get scammed. Thanks, Joe's mom. Hey, here's a trivia question about scams. How many complaints about romance-related scams were reported to the government in 2016? 
that's the last year we've got good solid data on it. I'll be back with the answer that'll steal your heart in just a moment. This episode of Stack Your Benjamins brought to you by Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Blue Apron is the leading meal kit delivery service in the U.S. And while many people know what Blue Apron does, they don't know about the types of meals you eat. When you cook a Blue Apron, like strip steaks with potatoes and spicy maple collard greens, I shouldn't do these when I'm hungry, OG. A steakhouse inspired favorite with the delicious twist chili-infused maple syrup. With incredible ingredients and chef-designed recipes, Blue Apron lets you see what the power of food can do. Blue Apron delivers fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step recipes right to your door that can be cooked in under 45 minutes. The menu changes every week based on what's in season and is designed by Blue Apron's in-house culinary team. Blue Apron offers 12 new recipes each week, and customers can pick two, three, or four recipes based on what best fits their schedule. Blue Apron, of course, sends only non-GMO ingredients and meat with no added hormones. Meals coming up for me, listen to these ones, guys. Middle Eastern baked chicken and rice with chickpeas and yogurt. Steaks and cheesy mashed potatoes with steak sauce and roasted carrots. I can't wait for that one. Spicy pork and Korean rice cakes with bok choy different stuff every night lots of fun blue apron is treating stacky benjamin's listeners to 30 bucks off your first order if you visit blueapron.com slash sb so check out this week's menu and get your 30 dollars off at blueapron.com slash sb blue apron a better way to cook hey stackers i'm sure you know by now that both my spouse cheryl and i use m1 finance for our personal investments that doesn't make it right for you you should do your own homework we'll call that our disclaimer here up top But recently, we've had exciting news from the team at M1 Finance. They've announced they're now a completely free-to-use investing platform. You heard that right. No fees, no commissions outside of the investments themselves. I sat down with Brian Barnes, CEO and founder, and asked what made him decide to make M1 Finance free. We believe in the future, all investing platforms will be free. So it was a decision to get ahead of the curve. It's obviously beneficial for the customer who will save money and be able to invest more. For M1, we have other sources of revenue, which were greater than the fee we charge. So the more people using M1, the better for us as well. So how about that? No fees, no commissions, just you with more money to save and in control of your portfolio. They'll even invest fractional shares for you. You take the wheel or have them invest in a professionally managed approach like some of the robo companies out there. It takes only a minute to sign up. Start by heading over to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash M1 Finance. M1 Finance, be invested. Hey there, trivia nerds. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. How awful are romance scams? First, she says she wants to share an appetizer with you, and the next thing you know, she's trying to make you pay half the bill. Wait, what? That's, you're saying that's not a romance scam. Yeah, well, what is it then? Chival, chivalry? Well, that, sounds, that sounds Portuguese. Never heard of it. Okay, but back on point. Here was today's scammy trivia question. How many complaints about romance-related scams were reported to the government in 2016? In 2016, the FBI reported nearly 15,000 complaints categorized as romance scams or confidence fraud, which was nearly 2,500 more than the previous year. How much money did these scammers take? Can you say $230 million? 
Ouch! That is a lot of blooming onions. See ya! in the wrong line of work I do, 200 mrs og thinks she's getting scammed every day <laughs> well she is but luckily i'm on your she's team like, what did i get myself into i had a friend who said one day he said yeah my spouse is mad at me thank god divorce is difficult i've heard people say the reason divorce is so expensive is because it's worth it <laughs> right i've i've heard divorce <laughs> people say that too which is just absolutely horrible. That's terrible. Yeah. Thanks a lot to Sandra Bernardo you, for sweetheart. coming down to the basement. I think the big lesson there, don't don't just take people's word for it, man. If somebody says, I love you, especially. Well, allow me to give you my security code to my bank account. <laughs> absolutely. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline, OG, and tackle some of life's, or rather life insurance's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they've been spearheading innovation within the life insurance industry by focusing on those two things you care about most. Definitely boats and chocolate hearts for Valentine's Day. Mm. How about your family and your time in this case? Okay. It's why they created a high quality and most importantly, Affordable term life insurance policy issued by Mass Mutual. You can purchase entirely online. And there's no need to wait several weeks for a decision when you can get one instantly with Haven Life. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote and learn about life insurance the modern way. Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. And today's call, we're throwing the Haven Life line out to our new friend Kirk. Say hello, Kirk. Hey guys, this is Kirk in Atlanta. Love the show. Clearly haven't learned anything, though. The bad, I bought a house last year with only 10% down. My wife has a 401k loan at about 4.5% interest, and I've got two car loans at $16,000 each at 2.25% interest. It's not all bad. Got some good news. Both in our very late 30s, and we've got about seven months in an emergency fund, 550k in various retirement accounts, and we're putting away 18% of our salaries into our 401ks, including our employer's match. We've also got 30,000 in 529 accounts for two kids, three years old and a newborn, and we're also putting away 1,000 a month in the 529 plans. Finally, we're also maxing out on HSA. So my question for you guys is I'm paying extra every month to various car loans, my mortgage, I'd like to focus the payments, but I wasn't sure if I should pay down the mortgage to get rid of PMI first, that's about $1,850 extra a year, or should we pay back the 401k loan early? Should I cut back on the 529 payments, maybe limit it to the max benefit of Georgia at 4000 a year? Any advice is appreciated. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Kirk, for the question. OG? He's in the ATL. Yeah, baby. Atlanta. Atlanta. Welcome to Hotlanta. Hotlanta. Peachtree. He probably lives on Peachtree Street. Have you ever been to Atlanta? Not hot this uh, winter. Hasn't no, been hot not. this winter at all. Every road in Atlanta is named Peachtree something. It's like Peachtree Street, Peachtree Boulevard, Peachtree Peach Circle. Peachtree Place. Peachtree Place, yeah. Hmm, very interesting. Peachtree Way. Peachtree Way, yeah. What to do, Kirk? So, kind of a couple things. Spidey Sense is tingling on here. I think a thousand a month on two five twenty nine plans is too much. I like to have a little bit of a mix between five twenty nines and regular investment accounts for kids' college because what if they both get scholarships or you know one joins the service and doesn't need a five twenty nine or something? You don't want to get locked up with all that money and then have to figure out a way to get it out and pay taxes and penalties and so on and so forth. So 
we kind of finger in the wind guesstimation. I don't know what the costs of school in the Georgia are these days, but nationally we assume about twenty thousand a year today's dollars with around a six or seven percent inflation rate. You need somewhere in the neighborhood of about four hundred dollars a month per kid to fully fund it. You know, maybe of that you do two fifty in the five twenty nine and and you know one hundred and fifty two hundred dollars somewhere else. George is going to give you a credit four thousand. Maybe that's kind of your guidepost. So I would reduce the five twenty nine, partially because I think you do better with paying off some of the other stuff, but also I I think you're going to overfund it, which isn't the worst thing I suppose. The calculation between PMI and paying off the 401k loan is really just going to boil down to interest. When it comes to PMI, you can also get out of PMI through appreciation. Now, if it's only been a year, it's likely that you haven't appreciated your way out of that unless you happen to buy a really you know, great value home. So it's likely to be a combination, but I bet you can probably appreciate and pay down your way out of that faster than the original schedule. So I would leave that alone. And then the extra stuff I would put on the 401k and get that taken care of ASAP. I think you think of it as, hey, I'm paying myself interest at 4%. Yes, but you're missing out on you know the market growth, which was 20 some odd percent last year. So that's a big interest rate if you look at it that way. Plus, you have to pay yourself back with after-tax money. So you, know, you put money in a 401k pre-tax, you pay it back after tax. It gets kind of funky. So I'd pay that off as quickly as possible. There's another, well, there's another danger there too, which is just like we said in our boating accident story earlier. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen at your company. And if you get let go and you still have that 401k loan, now you got to pay it all back in a short amount of time. Yeah, it's pretty ugly, pretty ugly in a hurry. You didn't mention how big the 401k loan is though. So, right. you know, that could be an issue too. But in any event, I'd probably go reduce 529s, pay off 401k, and then focus everything on one car, then the next car. And we mentioned this a week or so ago about paying off your house, right? Here's the problem with putting extra on your mortgage. And this is why Joe and I advocate pay yourself the difference on the 15-year mortgage, but pay it into a brokerage account. Because at the end of the day, if you pay down your house to only owe $10,000 on the balance, and then you miss a payment or six, you still lose the whole house. They're going to come and take it. They're not right. going to come in and say, yeah, you know, you paid off 400000 of this $425,000 loan. We'll just take a toilet. We'll call it a day. They take the whole thing. So I'm not a big fan of just adding 50 bucks a month to my mortgage payment or 100 bucks. I And I know the math, but but I like the idea of accumulating it elsewhere to give you the flexibility. And then you can turn around and say, I've got the money. Let's write a check for 180000 pay the house off. Good stuff you know, there. Yeah. Notwithstanding my asterisk of, boy, there's a whole bunch of questions I wish I could ask you, Kirk, but right. we'll go with that. Thanks for the question, Kirk. You got a call for the Haven Lifeline. Head to stackybenjamins.com. You'll see at the top of the page questions for the show and click that link. We also get letters down here in the basement. Doug just delivered this one to us from our friend Jeff. Jeff says, Hi, Joe and OG. Like to see what I should change or add to my investment profile. After listening to your shows, I've hired a financial advisor and have also added a Haven Life Policy. I've not learned much from you guys after listening for over a year, so maybe this is my chance. Here's a brief but in-depth description of my investments. I'm 35, working full-time for a city in California. I'll have a pension of about 11000 per month at 55. Of 457, I have 250,000 invested, 100% in the S&P 500. I recently signed up for Bloom for management since my advisory service can't help with 401k and 457 accounts. 401k, 237 invested, 100% in the S&P 500. 
I have a managed Vanguard managed brokerage account with diversified index funds, 215,000 self-managed stocks, 216,000 in Apple and uh, 470 shares of Tesla, uh, Roth IRA, uh, 68,000 for him, 18,000 for his spouse, a $4,000 UTMA for his son and a Vanguard 529 plan with $4,000 in it, two rental properties. I'm renting them out for $500 profit per month. Our home was purchased for half a million dollars and we have a rate of three and a half percent and owe about 305,000. Life insurance is a million dollar 20 year policy with Haven Life, spouse obtaining half a million dollar. I'm considering purchasing a new vehicle that costs about 55,000 Tesla Model 3 or other cars owned outright and we don't have a car payment. Any input would be much appreciated. For example, I was considering changing my 401k to a Roth 401k. All since my wife stopped working due to our new child, she is about $50,000 in a 401k. We're looking to transfer into IRA or Roth, whichever is legal. Any thoughts? Just a wide open question there, OG. The big thing here, can I take this one first, Jeff? You've got stuff. I don't know what the goal is. Like it's hard to maximize your stuff without knowing what we're planning for. And I love that Stephen Covey thing, OG, start with the end in mind. So I look at the stuff, I'm like, wow, that's neat stuff. You're buying a Tesla? That's really cool. I like that. I like Teslas. I think they're neat cars. But what's the goal? Is the goal to have five Teslas? Is the goal to retire early? Is the goal to put kids through college at X age? Is the goal to go from a two income family to one income family? Looks like they just started doing that. I think you hit the nail on the head here. There's so many different components to all of life goals, right? It's not just about financial independence. It's not about college savings. Maybe there's some estate planning issues or charitable giving stuff in there. I like to say when you look at your, I didn't add up all this stuff that he was talking about here, but you know, let's say that he's got a million bucks and he's 40 years old, right? This isn't a million dollar decision, right? This is a million t- double, 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 double decision. This is a $30 million decision. And so what I heard when you read this, Joe, was, hey, I took a shotgun to my finances and I've got stuff everywhere. I got one of everything. Is that a good thing or should I have two of everything? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I didn't hear any any focus or direction. I've got a little apple. I've you know, a lot of apples sounded like, but you know, I've got individual stocks. I hired an advisor for some of this stuff. I've got some rental properties. I've got bought some life insurance. I don't know if it's enough, but that's what I bought. And so I've I think that's and, I think that's actually step one is that he talked about having an advisor, but his advisor can't advise him on half of his assets. That doesn't sound like an advisor then maybe, huh? No, no, it really doesn't. I can only advise you on- Hey, I can can help you, but only if you're wearing a blue shirt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if- I have a white sweatshirt on today. Oh, sorry. Then call back when you have a blue- uh, Yeah. It's it's like having an agent who's not helping you with your whole career, only helping with- half of your career, a third of your career, like, and, and they all Im- impact each other. I mean, every, everything impacts each other. Yeah. So I heard, I got stuff all over the place. You definitely need a consolidated, not a consolidated, a, a, a coordinated strategy on what you're trying to work toward. I think you said, did you say Joe, that he's going to get an $11,000 a month pension? I mean, that's a big number and works for a city or something. So Ah, that spidey sense is tingling on that, right? I would work on some plans of what happens if that pension goes away. How do I insure that pension myself? A lot of different things there. There's This is a great case for a well-rounded, cohesive strategy, I think. Well, once we know what the goal is. I mean, I didn't even, I can't even go that far because I don't know what the goal is. And this was always 
the most frustrating meetings that I would have was when somebody had stuff and you knew they wanted to optimize their stuff, but you'd ask them what for and... You know, for the things. Well, no, I just want to have more. I remember having a meeting where somebody just looked at me and goes, well, the goal is to have more, isn't it? I mean, the goal is to have more. So how do I, how do I make more? How do I make more faster? <laughs> okay, Wall Street. Okay, Gordon Gecko. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying Jeff is saying that. I want to have more. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, but right. without that goal, hey, it's very difficult to plan. Cheshire Cat, right? Where are you trying to go? I don't care. Then it doesn't matter. Any road will get you there. That's amen, brother. Thanks for the question, Jeff. I really not much that we can do. Um, I apologize, except ask you to focus on the goal first and then work from there. And a lot of your questions, I think, take care of themselves. Thanks also to everybody who's left a review of this year podcast. Mom, mom has been laughing at or with, I guess, not laughing at, laughing with some of the reviews of the podcast. This one was written by D-Man88, five stars, great way to start the day. I've been listening to SB for years and really look forward to a new podcast every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's actually the only reason I keep track of what day it is. I often don't even wake up on Tuesdays and Thursdays since there's no reason. That person needs a hobby. Winner, winner. <laughs> right. Thanks. Thanks to everybody who's left reviews. That one, D-Man is headed to mom's fridge right now. Coming up on Wednesday, we've got a fantastic show for you. Guess what? CPA Michelle Kagan has written the Infographic Guide to Personal Finance. And while infographics aren't good for radio. <laughs> <laughs> you can see this one has a blue arrow. Yes. I, do, I do absolutely love this book, though, because, you know, I love infographics. You just put everything out and lay it out and it makes things, you know, most people are visual. But Michelle Kagan also has some fantastic stories that helped her create this book, stories from her practice and from helping people with their taxes, helping people understand money better. And she's going to tell us some of those stories on Wednesday. A great show for people either hoping to get a sense of what the fundamentals are with your money or people looking for a guide to some of the next steps after you're going down the path, OG. Speaking of OG, OG's taking clients. If you'd like to get on his calendar, find out what it takes to have him in your corner for financial planning, stackofbenjamins.com forward slash OG. That's going to wrap it up, guys. We'll see you on Wednesday. Go stack some Benjamins. Doug, what should we have learned today, man? Hey, sure thing, Joe. Why don't you get back to romance scamming OG out of his share of the peach cobbler? I'll tell everybody what they should have learned today. First, take some advice from Sandra Bernardo. Does that online romance seem a little too good to be true? Maybe it's time to ask some more pointed questions, like all the ones the women are asking me down at the Sizzler. They just can't seem to get enough of old Doug. Second, skimping on your insurances? If you don't have an emergency fund, maybe you should beef up. Remember, it isn't always how careful you are with your fishing boat. But the big lesson? Don't look up the word chivalry unless you're ready to be blown away. This really is a thing, huh? Are you kidding me? No wonder Gertrude makes a big deal about holding the door open for me. I have to remember to reply with a thank you and a firm handshake next time. Special thanks to Sandra Bernardo from Experian for joining us on the shortwave today. You'll find all kinds of tools and advice to protect your credit at Experian.com. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at 
at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I really thought doing these credits completely naked would have been a lot more fun than it actually was. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. I can't believe this. You and I actually saw the same movie. What's what's that about? Well, I think we've seen the same movie. We just happened to see it around the same time. I know. That never happens where we can both comment on the same film at the same time. This is a film that just came out about Winston Churchill called The Darkest Hour. Let them see your true qualities. My poor judgment. Your sense of humor. Ho, ho, ho. Your majesty. Mr. Churchill. I invite you to take up the position of Prime Minister. He's an actor in love with the sound of his own voice. You need to reply to the Lord Privy Seal. I am sealed in the Privy. And I can only deal with one shit at a time. <laughs> a bottle of champagne for lunch, another one at dinner. Here's to not buggering it up. Gary Oldman plays Winston Churchill in this movie. Hitler is, uh, for those of you that don't already know the history, Hitler's rapidly moving across Europe. Looks like France is now falling. And uh, Neville Chamberlain, who's the prime minister of England before Churchill, is giving uh, Hitler everything he wants. And they keep thinking, if we just get peace, man, if we we finally get peace, things are going to go our way. And uh, finally gets pushed out, voted no confidence. They bring in a new prime minister who seems to be the guy that nobody wants, Winston Churchill. And as you heard on that clip, people think that he's going to be a buffoon and that he's uh, he drinks too much. He smokes too much. He's kind of weird. This is the story of him. And another look from a different perspective, OG, at the Battle of Dunkirk, which we saw earlier in the year. I was going to say, I like how several of these recent movies in the last couple of years have all kind of spun around the same thing. You've got the um, King's Speech. So there's a little play on that early in this movie. Right, right? because he's the he's king. meeting with the king. And the king has a little bit of a stutter, and I think they do that on purpose to kind of tie that together. I mean, obviously he did. I, I was right? going to say, besides the fact that he did. But that's... Yeah, yeah. But it was interesting how they didn't like each other, right? They didn't. Right. And then, uh, you know, how their relationship changed a little bit over the, throughout the movie. The Dunkirk piece. I didn't see that movie. Okay. But um, 
I got the gist of it. Yeah, sure. Dunkirk, uh, much more action. There was a joke. I saw this thing that was movie posters, if movies told the truth, like at the beginning, and it says, Dunkirk told the more boring way. And it's funny because I wasn't bored at all by this movie when I saw that. Like I saw a bunch of them and I thought, yeah, that kind of describes that movie. I didn't think this was boring, but for me, I don't know about you. I was there the whole time, man. I I thought this was a really well done story. I love history movies, especially ones that are around a specific real small period of time. Right. Like where it's, I mean, this is only, this movie is supposed to take place over what, four weeks or something? Not long. Yeah. It's really like his ascension into the prime ministership, if you will, through, you know, four weeks past that, basically, uh, maybe three weeks even. And then they wrap it up at the end. They go, here's what happened, you know, and then P.S. He got kicked out, (laughs) you know, later type of thing. Anyway, no, I love that. I love when they kind of go like, here's a mile deep on this one yeah, don't, don't try, try to, to don't. And that was my. It's funny because Dunkirk is the same thing. I mean, it's a very small piece of time, and Christopher Nolan takes the battle, but he he changes the times up, so you keep moving in time, and you see different people. Like in Dunkirk, you'll see somebody who's on one of the fishing boats that are going to rescue the soldiers, and he'll mm-hmm. see a plane fly over, and you realize that's the same plane that you saw an hour ago. From a different thing that's the same exact yeah. time. So they keep telling like it memento. from... Yeah, they keep showing it from different... I like this way better. Like, if I'm going to see one thing about Dunkirk, I'm taking this movie over Dunkirk any day. Dunkirk, way more action. But this was so well done. And I felt like I was kind of in Winston Churchill's head, you know? And you kind of felt... You could feel his struggle. And you could see him turn. And finally, when he makes the pivotal change that he needs to make... Like you can mm-hmm. see it click in his brain. I thought Gary Oldman won best actor for this role at the Golden Globes. I agreed. I haven't seen them all, but I thought that was an Oscar worthy role. What was your favorite scene in the movie? My favorite scene in the movie is near the end and he's giving a speech to his party because now you've seen him make a change in his head. You know, I'm trying to do this without spoilers. He's made a change in his head yeah. and and he decides what he's going to do. And he goes in and he makes this speech, which is exactly, exactly what the nation needs to hear, what people behind him need to hear. And really is exactly what the criticism is of him. Like he takes the criticism of him and he turns it from his weakness to his strength. That was actually, for me, the theme of the movie that I liked the most was these things that we perceive in ourselves are weaknesses. Those often are our strengths, right? I mean, I just recently got called out on the table for something that that I did, which I won't go into. But I look at that and I think that part of my personality is a part of my personality that I don't want to let go of. It's something that, that, that I'm not, now I'm going to, I'm going to do things a little differently. I'm going to learn from my action that I took, but, uh, that thing is still my strength. So I need to, I don't know. It's funny. I was sitting in the theater thinking directly about it. When you can take a historical movie like that, OG, and I'm thinking about how does this apply to my life, even though it really has nothing to do with my life. I mean, it does, you know, we could be speaking German on this podcast. It, um, it, it really well done. My favorite part was right before that, when he was on the train. Yeah, he was undergoing the switch. Yeah, there's a part, and it wasn't about him, actually. I can't imagine what it would be like to be in those people's shoes. 
up to this point, I think about how the war is going, right? So it's, you're on this island that's protected by a moat that by 10 or 12 centuries of time, you know, 20 centuries of time has been your defense system, right? Like, well, they got across the water to get to us. And now there's airplanes that can be there like that. And part of the problem that's going on in this movie is that the English people aren't being told the whole story. They're like, well, we're kind of giving them the highlights of the good stuff and not like, P.S., Hitler's like 60 miles away, right? They're not letting them in on that. And the the reason for that is kind of like it's, well, it's for their own good, right? Like they don't need to know. And so he begins to kind of inquire about this, basically. And I can't imagine what it's like to be in that position, right? Like be a citizen, like they're interviewing moms that are traveling with their babies and stuff like that. Like he's got this little scene that happens and I'm, I'm like you, I'm trying not to give away too much of the, not trying to spoil anything about it. That's why I'm kind of hemming it on here. But then some of the questions that he asks and then some of the responses that they give. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was like, oh, that's pretty, pretty cool. So anyways. Part of me wishes we could get back to that. And well, it, well and it was funny during that discussion, I thought that would never happen today because somebody's going to walk into the train and half the train hates you without knowing anything about you, just because you're the other party, right? And immediately then then you're going to start getting... If Winston Churchill was a Republican or Democrat in America, and they get on the train and say what Winston Churchill said, half that car is going to be just calling him names and saying he's an idiot, and probably putting it on YouTube, right? With all kinds of inflammatory stuff. I mean, it was a very frank exchange, that I wish we could have. I wish we could have. Because I think we're more alike than we are different. And I thought that was a great part of that scene, too, was that, you know, everybody, ostensibly, most of Britain wanted the same thing. And he was able yeah. to bring the nation together behind the same thing. Instead. Yeah, and they had different people represented there. I can see that, you know, how they kind of link that together there. Great film. Great movie. Yeah, yeah. Well worth the nominations that it's getting. Mm-hmm. I really, really liked it. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.